Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in, everybody. Episode 41 of the podcast that is sweeping the nation. Get ready for the holiday season. It is indeed One Man's Opinion. Appreciate you guys downloading, subscribing, commenting. Even the haters out there, appreciate you most of all, thank you one and all for uh, the success that you've brought to the podcast. Hopefully we can produce more episodes going forward. I am Jeff Manns, by the way. You can find my work over at FantasyGuru.com, EliteFantasy.com, and EliteSportsBetting.com. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Manns. The Jeff Manns on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Episode 41 as we record just before the Thanksgiving Day holiday I am thankful for a lot of things in this world. And as I've expressed repeatedly over the last couple of months, I'm especially ecstatic and thankful for our team over there at the Elite Sports Network and one of the best in the business, a guy who's been with me for years now across every single site and everywhere. It's the one and only Vlad Sedler who joins me on One Man's Opinion. Vlad, what is up, my dude? What's up, Jeff? Thanks so much for having me uh, right before the holidays here. And uh, hopefully we can end this crazy 2020 with a bang. I can't uh, I can't can't wait for the I, I like the holiday season. It's just always chill. You know, it's a nice time. Normally people are nicer, but we'll see. It hasn't started out with a bang. I got into a DFS war probably less than a week ago just out of nowhere it takes you right out of it but Vlad I'm glad to have you on the show man Uh, um, you and I have worked together for years now you know normally at this point of the year you and I had just done the uh, first pitch uh, seminar out there out here in Arizona I should say and all that but this has been a wild year and one which we haven't traveled to the FSTAs and FSGAs and all these things. How are you holding up during the whole quarantine situation? Yeah. I mean, this year definitely feels like it's been a few years, to be honest. It's uh, it's definitely been a wild ride, uh, you know, spending time at home and, and being able to, uh, to see my family, family grow in person, I think is, is, has been really, really valuable to me, you know, especially the first year of, uh, of my son's life and um, you know, just working on techniques to be uh, b- better organized with time management skills getting into some other uh, different sports and some things that I'm not usually used to trying to stay uh, uh, healthy and fit though. Uh, I still love my, uh, my sour cream and onion ruffles. Uh, but other than love that, it. man, just, uh, just grinding away. What about cheddar and sour cream? Of course. I mean, yeah, yeah, okay. who doesn't love the cheddar and sour? cream? I just can't do the salt and vinegar for whatever reason. Just not my thing. I'm not a salt and vinegar guy either. My wife lo- loves those chips, but uh, I'm not a salt and vinegar. I do like, I like the sour, uh, sour cream. I like the cheddar and sour cream ruffles are just a fantastic, right? For sure. <laughs> Vlad, let, I mean, so it's, we're in the middle of football season. We'll talk a little bit about Thanksgiving day games. We'll talk about week 12 in general, as we speak, the Raven Steelers game has been postponed or moved to Sunday's game. Uh, I, I guess let's start there when it comes to COVID-19 and obviously it's impacting all of us. You mentioned, you know, good time to be at home with your young son and new family and everything. It's great. Uh, in that respect, are you surprised that the NFL has kind of made it this far before a huge outbreak, which is by the time you guys are listening, this may get a lot bigger because it seems like it's spreading and spreading and spreading. Are you surprised we've made it this far? 
Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a little surprised. I, I kind of feel like uh, kind of, you know, stuff will hit the fan earlier, but I mean, we are now hitting into that period of time where, I mean, most people expected for things to kind of get back to the craziness that we had back in March and April um, come flu season and, and come the winter time. So uh, I guess I'm not too surprised and just, you know, luckily we're in week 12 of the season. So just a couple more periods of a uh, free agent bidding. And at that point, you know, a lot of times uh, your lock, your rosters are locked. They're at least in the contest that I play in. Um, there's nothing you can do. You have your rosters and just whoever, you know, is going to be there at kickoff and is active and in the game. That's who, that's who you will end up playing. And like Vlad is low key. I always say low key, even though to me, you're not low key, but some people, cause you just keep, you keep to yourself. You stay out of the war. Everyone loves Vlad Sedler and, and rightfully so. But like what I love and, and you and I have always identified with is that you're a huge season long player. You're one of the most accomplished in NFFC and FBC uh, history, you know, um, and that, but you're also, now you're, a, you're also a big DFS player. Um, you're getting into some sports betting and stuff like that. You, you play all facets of fantasy sports, which I think the modern day player uh, identifies with a lot more. What, how would you classify yourself? Like talk about your journey from being a seasonal player to DFS and then also football to baseball. And you also do basketball content even for us over at Elite Fantasy. Talk about how you manage all the sports and which ones you like the most. I mean, to be honest, the, the, the most important thing for me is being able to have um, a little period of time, a little interruption in between sports, because I think it's really easy for people to be able to, uh, to, to burn out, kind of have tunnel vision and yes. not really basically maximize uh, their output or even comprehension of things. If you're, uh, you, you know, you, you putting in, uh, you can't put in a hundred percent into both. And so that's really tough. So for me, for example, right now, I'm really focused full-time uh, on football at the moment, going to get into basketball here as it comes to it. Usually I start doing some baseball drafts right around uh, after Thanksgiving. I, I start my, my research in, in early December and then it's, uh, it's sort of a, a slow burn. And for me right now, like, you know, obviously fantasy baseball is my, you know, my, my primary passion. It's my true love. But if I don't have that period of time, like right after the world series um, until the beginning of the De- of December, I'm going to burn out. I mean, it's already a long season yeah. as is with baseball, six straight months with, you know, double digit season long teams and playing DFS and writing DFS every single day. Uh, it, it's very, very easy to, uh, to burn out. So being able to step away from that is important. And also it gives me the ability to, to, to not get that tunnel vision because if you're you know jumping right out of the world series and you're hopping into drafts, that means you're already uh, kind of looking at ADP it, as you've noticed, things are starting to get started earlier and earlier. Like three years ago, right. there was no really fantasy baseball drafts in um, in, in Thanksgiving, uh, right. around Thanksgiving. People drafted, but it wasn't like a full onslaught on Twitter. And so there's January that. would be crazy. You know, a few years ago, it was like if you started in January, you were like, OK, you know, mm-hmm. that was sort of the mainstream. And then it got to December. And now you're right now it gets into November. It's like we're going to be drafting uh, before the World Series is over pretty soon. <laughs> well, one of the other important things is with, with ADP and average draft position, like I don't want to start seeing data of my, of my colleagues and where they're kind of setting the market until I've had a chance to look at things um, holistically or, and, and look at things sort of uh, from a raw point of view. I want to sort of create my own ADP, which you know, I, of course, you, you call me low key, but I, I named something after myself, <laughs> the VDP, basically yeah. Vlad's draft position, which is 
Um, it, you can't say it's better than ADP because ADP is the market. It's sure. just, you know, my guys, you, you take my guys ahead of the market or, or avoid the bad ones below the market. Chances are you'll put yourself in a better uh, position for success, but I need to be able to, to, to come to those uh, determinations naturally, as opposed to just, you know, looking and seeing, oh, okay, this guy goes here, that guy goes there. So I'll start helping to move that market come January, February and in drafts. Not only can you find Vlad Sedler's work over at Fantasy Guru, part of the Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide every single year, the Fantasy Football Draft Guide every single year, our in-season baseball, our in-season football, also on EliteFantasy.com for his daily fantasy content, baseball, football, basketball over there, Elite Sports Betting for all the sports betting as well. Follow him on Twitter at RotoGut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. And so talk about, if you can talk a little bit about breaking into the industry, like when you first got going or or how long, let's take it back even further. How long have you been playing fantasy sports as a whole? And like, when did you first get wind of it? When did you first know you wanted to start producing content? Well, I guess maybe even going back even further. And I, I've done podcasts where people have, have kind of heard the story, but Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm of Russian descent. My parents came over uh, from Russia in basically in 79, in, in the late 70s. And I was born along the way in, uh, in Rome, Italy. And that's where all the Russians at the time, basically, while they're waiting to get their visas processed and, and be able to come into the States, that's where I was born. So essentially on the way. And in the Russian culture, uh, the big sports are hockey, ice hockey, of course, which I, I grew up playing, uh, and soccer. And Russians uh, just... Uh, innately don't understand or don't care to understand baseball, which is really weird because that is the sport that I ended up falling in love with first. And that I grew up with um, as a kid. And for me, I, you know, I grew up in Los Angeles um, basically here since I was two months old. And uh, you know, I, I collected baseball cards. I was obsessed with stats and numbers. I had this, you know, this glass uh, sort of cover over my desk and I would make lists like crazy. I mean, like I diagnosed myself with OCD as a kid. But I would make a list of like, you know, uh, sc- scoring stat leaders that I would change every yes. day for, for all sports. My favorite players list, you know, like just all, all these crazy things. I would always keep those lists updated underneath. Um, and, you know, with Russian parents who don't care to understand baseball, you don't get to go to Dodger games. You don't get to like, you know, have, have those experiences because they're, you know, they're trying to get you to do other things, trying to get you to, you know, do like go to like you know, math lessons and karate and hockey and uh, art class. I was doing all these different things as a kid, but all I really wanted to do was just, you know, watch sports, collect baseball cards, study the numbers. Uh, but my dad had a friend who was a, um, this old school uh, dentist from, from back in the days, like in the local rotary clubs, really well known. He's since passed. It's been about 10 years, but uh, Dr. Bill Frank. Uh, and oh. so he apparently went to UCLA in, I guess, the 40s or whenever it was, um, he would have been probably like 100 now. He played basically uh, with Jackie Robinson um, at UCLA. Oh, wow. So he was the guy that ba- would come over to our house where my parents would have him over for dinner, maybe, you know, three times a year. And he would bring a baseball mitt for me because uh, I didn't have one. And we would play catch together. He's the guy that took me to my first Dodger game. So he was really the that first experience for me that really made me fall in love and just you know, really made baseball my passion. So you came to the, when you your your uh, family. It's funny. My I'm second generation um, immigrants from uh, Galway, Ireland. My grandparents both were in Galway. Didn't meet till they were actually in the United States, but both immigrated here from there. So uh, my parents had a uh, sort of that uh, immigrant stance, hardworking. You got to mm-hmm. better yourself. Don't waste time on foolishness, kind of thing. 
um, all the time. So as you're talking like that, that's really hitting home with me. You, so your parents came here uh, from Russia via Rome where you were born and they settled in Los Angeles. So you were always in LA. Is there a big Russian population in Southern huge. California? Really? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Huge, huge Russian population, Ukrainian, like, you know, people from all different forms of the, the former Soviet union. I'm, you know, we have all sorts of like, I have like four um, Russian markets in my local, you know, area. If I want to uh-huh. go pick up, you know, certain r- Russian delicacies. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, tons of did, Russians here. Did, uh, did you fix the election? By any chance, did you ever? I ever I played no part in this one, but um, <laughs> slightly in the this last. one. This one, it's so great. My <laughs> Russian spy, Vlad Sutler, everybody. Well, well um, let me tell you, it, it yeah. was it, in the eighties. Like when I grew up, I mean, oh, it was yeah. a little tough growing up. You know, during the Cold War period, with the name right. Vlad or the name Vladimir. Like when they would call sure. roll for the first time in class at a oh. new school or you know whatever. It was like I was just sitting there like waiting. Like, uh, and then of course. You know, the kids would run into us. I was called commie. I was, you know, literally wow. everything you can imagine in the 80s. So, and you don't even know what that means. I mean, what does an eight year old know about commie? Like, I mean, yeah. by the way, like, you know, I guess the Cold War is just ending as we, you know, we're, you're a couple of years younger. You look like you're 100 years younger than me, but only a couple of years. Uh, you've aged a lot more gracefully than, than <laughs> I, I have. But I mean, it's just one of those things like, you know, growing up, we didn't know what, what the hell's going on. It's always weird. Isn't that? That's just such yeah. a weird thing. Imagine calling like a 10 year old Vlad Sedler a commie in like 1990. Like, what the fuck is you talking about? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, but that people hear it from their parents and you see like where that sort of they'd say racism, bigotry, whatever. It's, it can't come from a nine-year-old kid. He doesn't know her. He doesn't know what the fucking cold war and post Kennedy <laughs> and Johnson type shit. You know what I mean? They don't know that they're hearing it from their fucking parents. Yeah. And I guess it's a, a topic for a different podcast, but I guess in, in some circles now is you can, that can be considered a compliment, right? These days. Right. Yeah. There you, <laughs> there you go. The, the far left would say not, not so bad. Well done on you. <laughs> so, I mean, I mean, it's kind of tough though. Right. I mean, you're, you're dealing with that as you go in. Were they now, did your parents speak English when they got here? They, were they-, they did. Uh, but you know, with a lot of Russian circles, you can sort of, you know, still continue to, to speak English. You know, my parents were really young when they came over. My mom was 20 uh, when she was pregnant and, and basically flew across the country, leaving her family. Mm-hmm. And my dad's family was already here in Los Angeles. They came a couple years earlier in 77. So uh, there was already a little bit of establishment, but they all lived in one house. You know, everybody kind of moved in. Uh, to one place while everybody kind of got their things together and get settled. And everyone in my family's in the dental industry, you know, uncle has a dental laboratory. Dad was a dentist, had to retake mm-hmm. his license, uh, basically grind from the bottom, like, you know, got his license in, in Russia mm-hmm. you know, at a young age, but then in, here in the States, you know, California board, you got to kind of do the whole thing over sure. again. And, you know, I mean, obviously he, in the meanwhile was, you know, washing, uh, uh, you know, the floors of like, you know, um, mental institutions in the meanwhile to like wow, you know, yeah. pay the bills and stuff. And then eventually, you know, did the American dream. So, you know, they sort of worked hard. Um, the one problem with that is, um, and it's something that maybe I don't talk about, or, you know, just maybe among my friends, but I was definitely a little spoiled, like, because mm-hmm. what happens with a lot of, you know, immigrants or Russian kids, when their parents work their asses off, come here to the States, and then, you know, they, they try to overcompensate. They're like, well, I worked so hard for this. Let me just make it easier for the kids. 
And that just ends up being, you know, kind of the wrong move. And I just remember myself, an honor student, you know, a great student. And at a certain point, I started getting, you know, 15, 16, started getting a little lazy, you know, like everything was just given to me, started like, you know, smoking, drinking, not caring, skipping school a little bit. All of a sudden, my 4.3 is plummeting to like a 2.8, you know, and then, you know, just you kind of take things for granted carried that over a little bit in, into college. And then for whatever reason, things just started to, you know, I kind of snapped out of it and just started busting my hump after that. That's interesting. Um, as you talk about that, because so you're the, you're the disappointment of the family, everybody in dent dentistry, <laughs> was it expected that you were going to be a dentist too? Is that like expected or what was the deal with that? It had to be. It was the, the, the thing was, it was, it was something that is for sure put food on the table for your family. So it was always stressed, uh, you know, in, in the family and, and kind of all Russian families is, you know, just be a doctor, a lawyer, just work towards that study towards that. And unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of that sort of freedom of, you know, if you want to go into something else, anything else other than that, or, you know, like a businessman or something that didn't make you a whole lot of money and made you super successful. Anything below that is essentially considered a failure. Yeah, I, I could believe it. I mean, it's it's weird though, because same, you know, my my family different. I mean, you know, uh, they were they were children of immigrants and all that, but um, you know, the expectation that you had to put food on the table and hard work was the only way. Like there wasn't, there was no other way. They didn't believe my family didn't believe in like intelligence bringing you money. It's only hard work. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only way to do it. Like you have to, and if you worked one job, you had to work a second job. You had a second job, you had to work a third job. It was just kind of always like that was the way to provide. Um, and then I, I imagine like this career, because I mean, you, you do this full time now in fantasy sports. And um, I mean, what do they, what would they think of this? Like, do they, this can't be a real job to them. Yeah, it's different now. In the beginning, it was it was tough to, you know, to explain, um, you know, uh, but it, them seeing my success and, you know, seeing how I do in in DFS and, and season long and, you know, bringing bringing checks in there, um, they, they adapt, you know, the, they've now been in the country for, you know, 40 years. They, they've seen things have changed and they've loosened up a little bit themselves. I mean, you know, you know, imagine growing up in you know, communist Russia in the 60s and 70s where uh, you, you don't have a lot of um, information about the outside world or at least certain information is, is tailored in, in propaganda in a certain way. And then, you know, obviously, once they've spent time here in the States, they understand things a little bit differently. So so luckily, they sort of opened, that in that, opened up in that respect. That's good. I remember trying, uh, um, I was always going to be a writer, like I was going to be a journalist and all that. And then I got into computer science, which my parents were fine with uh, there. But when I made the move after uh, selling my company back in 03, it was like, what are you doing? You're writing what? You're, you're what? What is a podcast? What is, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, no, that's not real work. I remember my mom, my dad had passed away by that time, but my mom was, Jeffrey, you, you need to provide for your family. How are you going to provide for your family? How are you going to, like, it was sheer panic when I'm trying yep. to explain to them, oh, no, I'm, I'm writing about fantasy football. And I see that, that you have a young son. My, my kids are a little bit older now. I got one out of high school already. But, like, you know, there's a different job market. And you just wait till your son comes to you and say, Dad, I'm going to be a YouTuber. Like, this is yeah. my job. And you're going to be like, that's not a real job. How do you? <laughs> and then it's like, wait, no, there's people making millions of dollars and people making good livings. You're like, oh, it is a real job. Just weird, that evolution. 
you know, to uh, how to provide and how to put money on the table and, and, and do things that reach a, a different type of audience. It's just nonstop evolving. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, and then, you know, back to, I guess, your, your actual question or original question is, um, <laughs> I mean, I started playing fantasy in, uh, in, in high school. Just uh, I started actually fantasy hockey was my first because I grew up playing hockey. Yes. So kind of knew all the players and numbers and stats so jumped in there. Um, so I basically, I, I jumped into Yahoo Public Leagues and I ended up winning my first ever uh, football, baseball and uh, ba- uh, basketball leagues. Hockey one, I, I didn't win right away and just was addicted. I, w- I was hooked. I think a couple years in college was you know busy with college life, so didn't pay too much attention. So this and was then, high school. Now, I hate to stop you there, but where yeah, were you? High school. What age? So high school, you started to get into it? Um, yeah, 15, 16. I, so I, this is like 95, 96. All right. So you were just after me. My first fa- football was 89, but then wow. my second, my second league, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this, but my second fantasy sport was hockey. Oh and wow! This is the degree of nerd. I was, I remember being a freshman waiting me and my friends Quig and Quinn, this brother duo from Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, that was way into hockey. Uh, and Steve, uh, another buddy of mine, we would wait outside the high school for them to unlock it at 630 in the morning so we could run in to the library and get the Chicago sometimes late sports final with oh, all man. the hockey stats. And then we record our fantasy hockey league by hand. <laughs> oh, the best, man. There's just no replicating those good old days, you know, it Getting- was the. Yeah, it was so great, you know the Brian Leeches of the world. This is like mm-hmm. pre, like this is like pre Lindros even. Like that, it was like when he was first drafted by Quebec, and uh, so yeah, that, uh, hockey was my uh, big love and passion for me when I was younger uh, in Chicago. And fantasy hockey still a great game to this day, uh, for oh, sure. I, I played with uh, with your boy Chelios, by the way. Oh yeah. And I know I've kind of talked about it on, on Twitter before, but yeah, I was, I was kind of fortunate. Um, I kind of right place, right time. Like I said, all Russians in LA kind of know each other, but um, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was the biggest Pavel Bure fan. So, you know, the Russian rocket and sure. scoring 60 goals a year, but his second year in the league, or he just can't come to America. He was my favorite player, the poster up on the wall and everything. And then one day it was in the summer. I'm um, at my friend's, my neighbor's house, you know, we're, we're running through ba- some, some basketball cards. My mom calls me um, for dinner and she goes, you know, want to come, there's, there's somebody here that you're going to be very happy to see or happy to meet. I'm like, oh, okay. I had no idea. So my friend and I came over, she said, you know, bring your friend. I come in and there's like all these Russian people, whatever. And there's freaking Pavel Bure, like, you know, standing wow. <laughs> in my, in my home with his girlfriend, uh, Anatoly Semenov of the ducks was there. It was like his first uh, thing. And my dad, you know, he was kind of like the dentist for the Russians, obviously hockey players uh-huh. all need a dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They would come and spend the summers in LA they would, you know, come and, you know, basically make a stop at our place. We would do like a barbecue, you know, pool, uh, sauna, and uh, basically like a shish kebab. And these guys all drank, like, even though they're, you know, young hockey players, these guys drank, they smoked cigarettes, they partied hard, then would go <laughs> on the ice and just crush it. But like, it sort of became a revolving door there in the mid nineties as a kid, it was basically like a dream come true. Uh, these, you know, these guys coming over uh, to my house to play. And there was just this one time at our local rink, where um, basically it was a setup, uh, you know, my brother and I came to play, uh, Pavel drove us and he basically said like, a, you know, one of the guys from, uh, from Chicago is going to be there at the rink. Oh. Um, so a bunch of us were, you know, on the ice, uh, a whole bunch of folks left, um, like after a practice and it remained on the ice, me, 
uh, Burray, Chelios, and my brother. So the two of us wow. ended up playing like a, we were going to originally do a half ice, but it ended up being like a full ice uh, two on two. So me, uh, me and Burray uh, versus him and Chelios. My brother was always the better hockey player of the, of the two of us. That is wild. Oh, I mean, nobody could keep up with Bure um, from the speed standpoint. Like him and Sergey Fedorov, like those guys were the fastest skaters I think I've ever seen. I used to go, I love going to the old Chicago Stadium, the Blackhawks games, even before they were good. But I would see, yeah, you know, when I w- did go in the mid 90s with those guys, like I, it was lightning. Like Fedorov it, specifically, I'm, I don't think I've ever seen a faster pure skater in the open ice than Sergey Federer. Oh, and those two didn't like each other, by the way. I know they were oh. the same, that 1990 upper deck rookies, and they came over yes. in the same year with McGilney. But, uh, but, but specifically, Federer and Burray, they always kind of had that, that rivalry. I just remember Burray literally like talking shit about the guy. Um, and then, <laughs> ironically, they both dated, as you know, uh, Anna Kornikova, the Kornikova. tennis player. So it was like one was, you know, was, was with her for, I think Federer was with her for a while broke up with her um, or they broke up and then she went, you know, got engaged to Pavel. And then obviously, you know, that relationship busted. And then she went with uh, Enrique Iglesias or whoever. So man, there's nothing had an Anna Kornikova back in the day, like no literally doubt. nothing in on earth. Smoke. Uh, it's just an absolute smoke show right there. So you're, you're playing hockey with Chris Chelios and Pavel Bure. Like that's amazing. And uh, by the way, Chelios is a traitor. Uh, mm-hmm. That is number one. I was absolutely my favorite hockey player growing up and would say, I would rather die than play for the Red Wings. That's what he said. I mean, he said that on oh, yeah. the score 670 in Chicago just said, absolutely not. Like a two years later, trade to the Red Wings, winning Stanley Cups. It's like, motherfucker. Like yeah. it was just that never was lost on Blackhawks fans ever because that was just devastating he was our boy um and i know he's with the canadians before that but um man that that was pretty devastating i, I loved it and then uh so are you a good ice skater i mean you- yeah i mean i was i was a pretty good hockey player it's actually the one part of my life that i wish i, I kind of still had because the guys i played hockey with and and you know in los angeles uh so I started playing late 80s. This is around the time when Gretzky was traded to the Kings, which was the biggest deal ever in, you know, for the LA sports LA, community. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of ice rinks started popping up and youth hockey became an even bigger deal. Uh, so we didn't have local high school teams like you have in Minnesota or, you know, or North Dakota or wherever else where hockey is really strong. So, um, you know, we, we just played basically like in private leagues. So, I was, you know, I was good. I wasn't the best skater, but I was usually the captain of the team and, and a good assist guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brother actually was, was uh, sent, he was so good that he was sent out uh, to play in, in basically junior hockey um, at a higher level, just because LA hockey really didn't, wasn't really a good platform for getting people to the professionals. Right. So he played, um, you know, in Fargo, um, Minnesota for a couple of years and uh, tore it up there. And he actually ended up becoming um, a, um, an enforcer. So, cause he was a big karate guy. Uh, the yeah. way that he actually got into the, he got in, accepted into the, uh, the OHL, uh, Ontario Hockey League. Yep, yep, yep. And played at University of Maine the first year, uh, busted his shoulder in, uh, in camp the first year. But he was the guy that they would send out to go fight people because he was a karate guy. So they go like, Settler, you know, you know, go start shit with number 12. And he was, yeah. you know, pulls Jersey over his head, beat him up a little bit and threw him down. So, you, you know, you, you, everyone kind of has their, their role depending on their skill sets. Uh, I do. I, so I couldn't skate worth a shit, just could not skate at all. It was, it was weird because I couldn't skate at all. So I was always play goalie. 
And then uh, eventually rollerblades like came out and were a thing. And oh, I became like gosh. a huge rollerblade hockey guy. And I could skate so well on asphalt and concrete. And I just couldn't ice skate. Like it didn't, didn't translate for me for whatever reason. And, but I, I was always the enforcer too. Cause I was always one of, I played with some guys, <laughs> like I said, Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. That's like, you know, they won all these championships in the nineties, a hockey factory. Oh, and, yeah. and uh, so my friends were all from that area. And they're so fast. So I was, I was the enforcer. I was the Bob Probert just sitting there, just, just knocking guys down and always being the aggressor <laughs> for these fast wingers to come in and uh, you know, tear up the ice all the time. You have a story. I, I, I've heard this story before out of you, but I think the folks here in one man's opinion would, would like it. My absolute bona fide young man crush was on a uh, actress from the show who's the boss Alyssa mm-hmm. milano and i remember you telling the story years ago about her like watching you come to play hockey and stuff like that now what's your Alyssa milano story i mean you always you know you always kind of spin things a little bit she didn't come to watch me personally oh, but of course, hey. uh, her <laughs> i ain't judging my, my brother <laughs> well her brother uh cory who was a few years younger. He was uh, basically my, I'm 41 now. My brother's now 38. So Corey was basically um, my brother's age. And I think maybe 10 years younger than Alyssa. Uh, and he, they were on the same team. And there was a period of time where I, you know, played with them a little bit too. So, you know, as a young girl, uh, I think this is a little bit after who's the boss. You would come uh, to those games a lot, uh, you know, to our games and things like that. Um, and then I just remember for my 10th birthday and, I had a, a, my birthday party at like a local ice rink where basically, you know, everybody just kind of like skates around in circles and there's like a, you know, like an ice rink DJ that like, you know, plays on CDs. And uh, so, yeah, whatever. She just, you know, came to my 10th birthday party, but she <laughs> brought, um, he, she brought with her a friend at the time was uh, Melissa Joan Hart, who I didn't really realize it till afterwards because oh, wow. I wasn't yeah. into that show, whatever, Clarissa. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, just you know, it's cool. You know, when you oh, live in LA, you're just kind of around all that, all that dude. Kind of stuff. I, I, as crazy as Tommy G is, he when he and he was such an asshole to her on Twitter. But there's, I there's something inside of me that has immense amount of respect for having an interaction with Alyssa Milano. She was the uh, the crush of all crushes for me. <laughs> Growing and you up. know, it was, it was cool. Like nobody, but nobody bothered her, you know, so people like, you know, kind of say what's up her yeah. family, super sweet, just a nice, you know, uh, a good Italian family. Um, uh-huh. So, you know, she was, she was totally cool. And then you were, you did like some child acting too. Like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever talked about this before or whatever, but you used to go on some uh, um, mm-hmm. auditions and things as a kid. Talk a little bit about that. Well, so for whatever reason, at Russian kids in LA, the parents, they want to keep you occupied with a million things. So even though I still had all my homework to do, I had a different activity after school every day. It was hockey on the weekends, uh, karate class three times the week, uh, uh, I had to play the piano. So those lessons I couldn't stand once a week and, um, and uh, math tutor, basically, like, you know, everyone kind of do math tutor, but I um, would go on additions. My, my mom would take my brother and I. Um, I don't know. I don't know why they just decided to do that. It's not like we had any specific, like, you know, talents or whatever. The only thing I really did was I would take a home, um, you know, like a, uh, a video camera uh-huh. and sort of videotape an interview at parties, uh, my parents' parties when I was younger. So I was like, you know, I was this 12 year old walking around and everybody would kind of like watch it afterwards, like just kind of drunk off their asses, all these like, you know, yeah. adults watching a video of basically themselves acting a fool with me commentating. <laughs> so 
you know, that's maybe they thought there was some talent in that. So, you know, threw me some auditions. I ended up getting a couple roles. Uh, one was just like a commercial for Universal Studios Florida, uh, nice. right when they just came out. And the other one was, um, I played the flashback of a priest with a very sort of just quick role uh, on a, uh, an all black soap opera called Generations. Oh. So that was around for like four or five years. Wow. I was like the flashback of a priest. And basically I just came in as a really poor kid. It was like a, a flashback of when this couple opened a store and I had like three pennies in my hand. And I would just basically had to say, how much ice cream can I get for this? And the one cool thing that I oh, kind of- Oh, you spoke it like a tree. You just nailed it. <laughs> one take, one take Vlad. That's what they call him. <laughs> but the, the cool part was I, um, I threw something in there that wasn't on the script. Like as I was leaving, I just kind of- Improv. I, I was 10. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to throw a buy in there. It wasn't uh-huh. in the script. It was nothing. And that's what the, the take they ended up taking. And that's when I kind of realized, I'm like, wait, some of these people improvise a little bit. I understand it's just a buy or whatever, but I- they just, you know, like the take. And I guess you could kind of veer off in different directions. Dude, that's amazing. Look, I mean, that's the thing. Multidimensional, man. You've got, had a little bit of everything here doing some child acting. Was, was I mean, how, when did that die off? Did you just like eventually just, did just they stop of, taking you to auditions or? It was kind of, we just kind of grew out of it. Uh, I think it was just because hockey was uh, becoming more interesting and becoming more of a priority. It, it all, it, it kind of crescendoed and ended when I, I basically, um, there's a show back in the day called uh, Boy Meets World. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, the older brother ended up being played by, by Will Friedel. I was in the running for that. So I, I ended up getting Ooh. three callbacks on it. And from what I gathered, I was like top 12. So I didn't quite get there. And obviously, you know, he ended up having a pretty good, you know, storied career. Plus he was one of the Disney kids. Like he was the front runner from the beginning. There was no way that yeah. you know, anyone was going to beat him. But, you know, kind of after that was when things died off. Wow, that's <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, just, it, that is so rather. I mean, you could have dated Topanga, like it's could have been you, it's could have you could have had a whole different life. Your plan would have been sweet, <laughs> <laughs> but a whole different, uh, but thing. I wouldn't trade it, it for what I have now. That's the thing. Oh, of course, Sitting here not. talking to you. Oh, yeah, family. talking to Jeff, my Band family. Like- a fucking podcast on the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah, you could have been hanging out with Topanga. Don't give me that. You, I, I wonder how you got here. You're, you're, you're playing hockey for Alyssa Milano, and I'm sitting here in my underpants doing a podcast. Like, what? How you know how it is. The grass is greener, always greener on the other side. Like, you know, because she could, you know, be like, uh, you know, like an abuser for all we know. Yeah, you never, yeah, it's true. You never know. She could have a uh, terrible armpit odor. Yeah. You don't know. It could be could be anything um so did you play so you played hockey did you play other sports growing up as well not really i i, I did a, a water polo um for for one season but i was like the sh- you know the, the shallow end goalie so obviously i wasn't very good <laughs> dude <laughs> so, that that's ultimate that is the ultimate so you are describing the ultimate rich kid sports like the, uh, ice hockey which is very expensive to play people don't realize that so expensive to play as a kid um and to get ice time especially um real tough and then water polo holy shit well well that's another that's a whole nother that's a whole nother story i basically was um i I did one year of military school my 11th grade was in military school how come and why did that how did that come about uh it's a long story like Uh uh, just sort of issue no that's the thing i was the only kid there that went because he wanted to go. And that's weird. It may sound weird, but you know, I already had some sort of like friction with, with my family or with my dad and, you know, just, you know, sort of issues at the time. Sure. And I had a friend who 
was like, he was, he was really overweight. He was really bad at, at school. Just, just complete, just jackass. His parents shipped him to this uh, academy in Texas. He came back with like guns, a six pack, a 4.0. And I'm like, that sounds good. And so, um, you know, there, there was this good program. There's a school in Carlsbad called the Army Navy Academy. And I'm also a little like, you know, OCD, like obsessive compulsive, like all my like, you know, hangers have to line up and stuff like that. So it was right. enticing to me, you know, like in high school, I wasn't particularly popular. I kind of kind of hit my peak in, in college, I guess you could say. Um, I went to UC Santa Cruz. That's a whole different story. But in, in high school, I, you know, it was just just another guy, you know, and, and there was no I wasn't on the local football team. I played hockey off site. You know, nobody knew me. So um, military school was like, what's the problem? It's Carlsbad. It's beautiful down there. Check it out. And it was good, man. It was, you know, I had a good year, um, you know, that year. And, and they just happened to have water polo as a sport. So it's not something that like we, you know, I did extra. Well, so you said you went to UC Santa Cruz. Yeah. Wasn't that, is that the shirt that uh, John Travolta, John Travolta wore. wore in Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the only way I know that one. <laughs> it's the only place I've lived out, outside of Los Angeles. So for college, I went to, to UC Santa Cruz, which is, you know, obviously, you know, beautiful city. Um, it, it's the, the, the capital of many things of the world. Apparently it's the capital of, of the vampire capital of the world. Really? Um, vampires. yeah. You'd think vampires. Well, the lost boys movie was filmed there. Oh so yeah. Just a lot of like, you know, vampire type people started moving there. Whatever yeah, talking, that talking my language, the lost boys. That's my generation. All the Corey's. In yeah, that one is I every Corey Sutherland probably was in that one yep, as well. Yep. I think uh, yeah. uh, fascinating. Man, I'm learning a lot about Vlad Sedler here. It's fascinating. So then I mean, you're playing these sports. You're going to military school. It's it's funny. I should have went to military school, um, but the, I didn't learn. Like I didn't do well at school. I was the youngest of five, and I didn't do well at school until my sophomore year of high school. And that's mm-hmm. when I realized like, oh shit, like, my parents were older when they had me, they, they were checked out at that point. And it was like, I didn't realize like, oh shit, I got to do something now. Like I, mm-hmm. I have to turn this shit around. I, like you said, uh, OCD, like, as you said that you're OCD, I'm looking at my desk that I'm recording this with you at everything. Every, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, six, six notebooks. I have three books lined up every one with their, the edge absolutely parallel to the corner, right up to the corner. I am crazy. I am crazy like that. Like insane. Everything has to be straight. Everything has to be edges right up lined up. And uh, so I get that a lot. And that's the self-actualizing too. I I really identify with that. Cause like I said, I could have gone down a lot of different paths if I didn't just realize like, Oh shit. Mm-hmm. I better do something here. And I got, I became the guy um, that said, all right, I got to start doing better at school and I got to get into college and I got to go to college and I got to pay for college. I got to work and all that stuff. Like it was a self-actualizing. So mm-hmm. the fact that you did that and said, I, you, you saw somebody else perform well at military school and said, that's probably something for me. That's pretty, that's telling in my opinion. You know, have that that kind of awareness. You know, I I talk about my kids sometimes when he, you know, whether he's building a Madden character, I'm like awareness. Mm-hmm. You always have to be aware, aware of your surroundings, aware of your shortcomings, aware of your strengths, aware of the people around you, aware of the you know the the, the environment. You know, it's something. Hell, that's how big of a that's so huge nowadays with COVID. Like knowing what's going on, there's someone yep. coughing around you, like fucking put on your mask or, you know, walk away or something. You just have to be aware of that environment. And I think that's a skill a lot of people don't possess, Flip. 
Well, yeah, but the, the thing was at that military school, what I wasn't aware of was, you know, kind of as I was there was, um, I guess, how everyone else would um, uh, sort of translate my success. Because what ended up happening was, you know, this is where I first started, um, first started, uh, you know, tried my first cigarette and, and first started mm-hmm. drinking. And obviously all the kids were there for a reason. They were bad, you know, not all, right. but sent there for sure. a reason. Um, you know, I remember this one time, this, you know, I have a collection of like 200, like, you know, CDs, you know, from the, the greatest year ever, the nineties, I, I figure. And, yeah. <laughs> and some <laughs> guy just jacked him and there's nothing I could do about it. Cause he was the big, you know, senior on campus and I knew it was him, but I couldn't report him. But, you know, so I was, you know, drinking and smoking from there. The problem was I was also getting uh, really good grades and I was kind of like, just kind of maneuvering the system with things so well, I ended up getting like some really good room in the corner and for no specific reason, I just, you know, earned cadet of the month, you know, the first month there, but kids started noticing and then became a rumor. And this is why I eventually left the school at the end of my 11th grade or Mm -hmm. that year that I was there is because people thought I was the narc. There were people that were starting to get busted and kicked off campus uh, or basically, you know, kicked off from the school, people that had been there for five, six years, everyone kind of, you know, had their deductions of who it was and just assumed it was me. So then I became the target where it was like, you know, on my wall, um, you know, you know, rat, all this type of shit. Wow. It really started to, you know, really get to me. Even my best friends there at the yeah. school started to turn on me and there was no way that I could explain it. You know what I mean? Just, you know, happened to, to be that way. My self-awareness uh, came on the night that I realized I was going to get ambushed. So it was, it was like the weekend of this, you know, like the, the these military parades that they do. And I won the job of a parade school announcer. So while everybody was sitting there in their hot, sweaty uniforms, like marching, yeah. I was, you know, up in the booth with the hot English teacher uh, <laughs> getting to announce the parade. So another reason why, you know, kids were hating. Sure. So one, you know, that weekend, I just kind of got a feeling or I got word of it. And I called my grandparents who were in town that weekend. I said, I'm leaving now. I'm grabbing whatever stuff I can. I just know I'm going to get my, you know, my ass beat. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's it. I left. I never came back to the school. Uh, a friend of mine, you know, like a month later that I ran into basically was like, Hey dude, I'm so sorry. You know, he was like trying to call me. I like, didn't want to talk to him. He's like, dude, I'm so sorry, man. Everyone figured out it wasn't you. It was this guy who I guess was promised like kind of like the top battalion position of the company or whatever, or, you know, of the, of the whole group as a senior in exchange for ratting people out. So they found out who this guy was, ended up, you know, doing the whole locks and, and um, pillowcases. Oh, no. The guy. Well, that's what they came for me for. They came in Jeez. that night. They, they broke down my door looking for me. I was already gone. I was going to get the beat down that the guy eventually got. So that's my crazy mm. ask for military school. And I almost got it. You know? Dude, well, you had more awareness. That, that, it's terrible. It's something that, like, that it's near to me as well. I had a, a similar instance, not at military school, but in junior high, where the whole, all my friends, like, we, we had gangs, you know, and they, they, mm-hmm. we called them groups, but they were gangs. I mean, we did bad stuff um, a lot of times, and we got in fights, and we, we occupied territory, and like, for no reason, like, it was just dumb, you know, um, where I grew up. And one thing that happened when we went in seventh grade, I, like I shared, we moved out. Uh, we shared a driveway with my best friend growing up, like a kid named John, absolutely like, you know, um, best friends, like the whole world, every picture as a kid, we were in cars and all shit. Well, you know, he was always a bad student, but he was the toughest kid in the fucking world. Like the toughest fifth, sixth, seventh grader, you know, mm-hmm. you'd ever meet. And uh, I was the leader of our group. 
and you know, when we got into junior high, you know, we got people from cross town and different areas. And one day early on, like John and all my friends turned on me, I got off the school bus and I'll never forget it. Walking down, we're talking about, we used to like, you know, hang out. We'd go to my house because no parents were there. And we'd, we had like fucking, we were doing a magazine that we were selling and then we were, you know, and then we'd go play some sort of sport or whatever and get off the school bus and go down. And you mentioned a lock. Well, Mm -hmm. guy hit me in the back of the head right after a kid named Mike, good friend of mine, Tim, Mike, John, they kicked my ass at like ambush right in front of there. And a kid hit me in the back of the head. And I didn't know, I thought it was a fist most of the time, but it put a huge dent and just like cut the back of my head open. Oh my God. Yo, I mean, I'm talking horrible what they did to me. It, It was terrible. And for like, a whole school year i went through mm-hmm. that i went i was a kid in the back of the bus even as a seventh grader like you know seventh and eighth grade on the bus and i was i was in the back of the bus i went from that kid to the kid in the front seat that now everybody was picking on and everybody every day i got beat up every day i remember this kid chris kicked me with a steel-toed boot in the nose if you ever notice oh my God. like my people think i'm ugly and so my face my nose was broken and we didn't have medical insurance growing up medical insurance didn't happen so i we did they did it in the snow it was right by the great western railroad tracks like i'd have to cross the railroad tracks to get back home to safety before my people and my neighborhood would take care of me because if they got the bus would let us off on the other side of the tracks and if i didn't get off the bus over the tracks in time i was fucked like i was they beat me till whatever and he kicked me in the nose broke my nose blood I mean, the most blood you'd probably ever see in your life just cracked it and just went everywhere. And the whole trail in the snow, plush white falling snow, my blood all the way home and whatever. And I still, to this day, like have that huge bump in my nose if you ever notice it. But these yeah, are I mean, assholes, man. Just it, unbelievable. It's the worst. And it was all, and I didn't know about the lock. He took it from a locker and, he, you know, had busted me. That's why it, uh, whatever. I, I got some revenge. Like I, I learned, I also got in great shape because I would, I stopped, I started fighting. My sisters, I had older brothers and sisters then who, uh, um my parents paid for a, an ex-vietnam vet to teach me what they called mixed martial arts back then like mm-hmm. nobody knew what mixed martial arts were like nobody so no. my parents called it karate but you know he taught me some of that so i started getting like fighting these guys one-on-one and i was just like that and eventually i fought the kid on the bus and i i got the best of him that time and i got mm-hmm. kicked off the bus so i'd have to run home i would run like four and a half miles from you know home every day and i'd have to beat the bus so as soon as the bell rang i would sprint out i'd have to <laughs> run i'd run down the train tracks and I, i'd have to beat make sure i was on the right side so the train wouldn't stop me like just to make sure but uh yeah kids are assholes man and it was a bad time and turns out years later john and i never really made up um mm. but uh it was all a misunderstanding he thought that one of these girls this girl liked me that he was interested in and i didn't even know her like i didn't even know anything and that the whole thing started because of a complete like fabrication that other people were were doing but so and that's the story as old as time right it happens in every circle like you know all over the world like forever it just it just happens like that a little bit of misinformation gets in the wrong hands people uh take it too far and all of a sudden you've got like you know i mean wars are started over those yeah 
DFS Twitter. That's <laughs> 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 pretty much pretty much what happens there. Oh man, all, all the fucking time as well. I just had somebody go at me. You know, I, I know you know the story a little bit, but Roto Grinder guy went at me or whatever. It's just a weird situation. Be like, well, go at him, and I go. I really. You know, I used to, I used to engage all the time. I still, I, I can be roped into anything. I'm an open book. <laughs> you know, it's pretty easy. If somebody wants me, you know, the things to talk about, like there's certain points that I'll get, but I just didn't have the soul anymore. Like I didn't have the time. It's such a busy time now with football season that I'm like, I'm not going to go. Why am I defending myself to people who I don't even know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything. It's not like, oh, I've seen them a couple times and we same similar circles or I don't know this person existed before this whole thing. So I, I chose, I, I'm getting better. Vlad. I'm, I'm impressed. I, I think that's great. I think, you know, I think I even was like, you know, Hey Jeff, what are you, what are you going to do about this? You like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, every, everybody was, and I, you know, I hate to wake up on a Sunday like that and, I'm sure I'll be roped into another one eventually, but hopefully I'm growing a little bit in that. Talk about that if you can, from your perspective, like the industry Mm -hmm. uh, and then getting into the industry too, like you, you know, you started right. Like, where did you start? Right. I know you worked for Rotowire. You were working for several places um, before, but how did you get started in the industry? I mean, I, I just started because, uh, I mean, you know, I obviously always loved writing and, and playing fantasy sports. So the two kind of blended together, I think in my uh, mid, you know, I think I was like maybe 25 and realized I um, wanted to be in the industry. And um, I think it was, uh, you know, I started playing it on CDM, uh, the diamond challenge and yeah, did yeah. pretty well with that early, um, you know, back when, you know, basically a poor college kid, um, you know, cause my, my parents were like, screw you, you stop sending you money to figure out my own way. So uh, an old buddy of mine, Steve Zachs introduced, introduced me and uh, uh, to the diamond challenge, we shared a team together, did well, and then earned enough a little bit to get into NFBC uh, because I met um, my oldest friend in the industry, Scott Jenstad uh, on the, uh, the diamond challenge message board, this upside down message board called the BBS that, that now that NFBC owns them now officially the BBS is about to be dead. Um, but I, uh, started playing, he introduced me to NFBC yeah. and then I started doing well. I started going to the live events and then I started meeting the people like, uh, Ron Chandler, Charlie Weger, Jeff Erickson, Chris Liss. And, uh, just like, wow, these are like great people. I'm listening to them on the radio. Um, and you know, I did some work for free for Sean Child's site, uh, many mm-hmm. years ago. And then, you know, sent that to Rotowire. They're like, oh, you're you know, a good player and this looks decent. So, okay. So started writing for them. Um, and then, you know, continue to win in the high stakes arena and just do a lot of networking, you know, like going to the FSTAs and FSGAs, um, you know, meeting people, um, hanging out with you guys, you know, meeting you guys for the first time when I uh, was first, uh, invited to, yeah. to partner with Charlie Wiegert at the, uh, FSTA, um, the, the series yeah. on baseball draft. You have a, you have a Ted Schuster story, right? Didn't like Ted, it wasn't Ted standoffish or something too the first time or there's something was- like that. I don't know if standoff is it was it was like a who you know who the fuck are you type of thing <laughs> I think because I was you know at the table you know Twitter I don't think we were a lot of us were really on there really like knew of each other and everyone at the time and so uh-huh. or maybe it was you know, I don't know maybe it was like were you know, we still a fantasy wrote, alarm at that time right you yeah. guys were both with fantasy alarm and yeah. you guys were sitting across the table and I just okay. remember I, I just remember you know I kind of 
I think, you know, it's, it's new. It's, you know, all these people in the industry. And mm-hmm. to me, you guys are like, you know, like mini celebs, you know, like I grew up around LA and around celebrities. I don't give a shit about those people. I love right. my fantasy circle. I'm like, oh, shit, that's, <laughs> Jeff, that's Jeff Mans from Fantasy Farm. So eventually I think I came up and said hi to you, but you know, to Ted, you know, I, I introduced or just said hello to him in passing. And I think he just uh-huh. kind of like, you know, kind of mad dog me and, and mumbled something. <laughs> and yeah, that sounds about right. That's it. <laughs> That checks out. That really does check out. I, obviously, it was nicer later. I think maybe like at the next year's event, you know, talked to him for a little bit. And then he actually knew who I was. And so, you know, yeah, it just kind of went from there. I'll be honest. Like, I um, I get into it. Not so much back then. Because, I mean, that, that was probably like 2012, 13, 14, somewhere around there. Was that right? Mm-hmm. It was somewhere around 20, there. It was 2015, I think. Oh, 15. Okay. All right. So, eventually, I, I get like that because I always want to see the name tags and people because – yeah, I've gotten attacked so much, you know, from the, the the industry people, which I never, I don't try. I know I bring it on because I'm boisterous and bombastic on the air. So I, I get that part of it. But when you're like a rival company or something, I just don't like when people say things that aren't true. Mm-hmm. So there's, I always am a little nervous at those kind of events with like, all right, who, who am I going to run into now? And it's going to be so awkward because they hate me and said some bull, you know, something or whatever. Like there's always something like that. So that's um, the, sh- that's the shitty part is that you don't really, you, you kind of go off of a, someone's persona or whatever. And you just sort of make your yeah. opinions and your judgments. Like, you know, I, yeah. you know, I myself, when I first started, you know, hearing you, I was like, like, wow, this, you know, this guy's intense. He's probably a dick. Right. And before I'd even <laughs> met you. And I think I said something, you know, the one of the rotowire guys, um, you know, and he was, they're like, dude, Jeff Mans is a really pretty good dude in, in, in person. You should talk to him. And I did. I was like, holy shit, this guy. I mean, like, you know, it, it's who yeah. you are on the radio is still who you are. But like, you know, it, it, all these random DFS guys who, you know, see you as, as a target or whatever, you know, if, if they actually came to one of these events and hung out with you and, and chatted with you, would see like pretty fucking good guy, you know? I appreciate that. And I, I, product of the environment. Yeah, we've talked a lot on the show here today about, you know, your upbringing and things you've been through. And I've, I've thrown in some of my stuff. One of the things for me is I, I have, I'm the youngest of five brothers and sisters and had a bigger family, Irish family, South Side, the whole thing, right? We literally, I mean, in even my neighborhood, when you know, Burbank and, and Bridge. Uh, um, you guys have a Burbank too? Yeah, 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 yeah. Our Burbank a little different than, than <laughs> one you guys got. Well, a little different. Uh, we had railroad tracks and the Robert Taylor homes. <laughs> okay. Than, than it was, but um, but what I'm saying is like, in my family, even to this day, my brothers and sisters are still around. A lot of them have moved out here to Arizona with me. Um, we disagree like all the time, and it, it's not just like we disagree on everything sports politics religion fucking everything like we just we all of us just have different opinions on stuff so i was raised always fine on being the youngest i was always had to fight for my spot with all these so i always had to get my opinions get my facts together like i was always the gotcha guy with mm-hmm. like I, I would research any way i can whether it was talking to people reading books I, I used to i used to go to my i had a friend that wasn't really a friend i used him for encyclopedias if you could believe that shit in like the mid 80s just to go research shit and then to throw it back at my family like i that's what i was raised by so on the you air, were google before google yeah exactly i was britannica <laughs> uh you know it it was one of those things 
we're um you know I, i'm used to fighting but the thing is we fought all the time but we it was always respect it was always like i have mm-hmm. this opinion you have that opinion i think i'm right i'm the, and all right, let's go get a beer or let's, or know, those days, let's go play cards, matchbox cards, whatever the fuck we're baseball, football, whatever we're like, we just, it was never divisive. It, like we didn't just, we could all have different opinions and different things that we liked and whatever. And it was never meant that we couldn't be friends or family or love each other. And it, it was never like that. And so I still have it. That's still my soul. I, I think like I could say, Vlad, I don't, I don't, I think you're totally wrong like that or whatever. And oh, I mean, people would be like, oh, what an asshole. Why would you say that? But in my head, I'm not being an asshole. I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's cool. I still love you. You know what? It's the same. You and and I got it. You you and I got into it once and we got over it, I think, you know, a couple of days later. And I'm obviously not a very confrontational guy. We had that, you know, that that, that one thing where I, I mouthed off. Uh, I don't know. It was something yeah. a, a couple years ago. It was all the, you know, the crazy, I think you were uh, crazy, you know, from the, the Tommy days and all that. And <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I just said, I just said something to set you off and you just, you, you oh, went yeah, off. Man. And I was like, oh, I did the, like, sorry, the, the James Franco, like, whoa. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, oh yeah. There, there was times like, yeah, no doubt. And it still happens. Like I, I like during football season, I, I'll fully and Ted knows Ted's yeah. I've known Ted for 25 years. Um, and that he knows, like even Tommy knew during football, like at this point where we are right now, I do be, I become a lot more edgy, a lot more flustered because of the, you know, all the stress and the pressure and the workload and all that stuff. And I, I, it definitely does, you know, I, I get a shorter fuse. So this is always a bad time um, for me. Meanwhile, then back like in April and May, I'll be totally pretty wide open you know i feel like okay a lot less stressed and mm-hmm. not so anxiety or whatever but yeah i i could imagine there were times back then i talk about a lot lately with the environment here at elite i mean you don't have to talk about that flat but i what about the crew we have now isn't it this is a fun it's like i have a lot of fun at work mm-hmm. right now like you obviously you and i have been here a long time you know, there's the whole crew, like Ricky and CJ and Healy, like the additions of these guys. I'm not taking anything away from anybody else, but I mean, it's just, it's a much more open environment right now. Yeah. There's, you know what, when there's just a lot, there's a lot less infighting and drama. That's what it comes down to. And a lot of people are you know, like, Oh, you know, Oh, I can't believe all these people leaving and Exodus. And like, I don't know, man. Like you look in the chat rooms, like when I'm in there on Tuesdays and, and, and you know, it's, you know, uh, a couple hundred guys and, and the same bunch of guys and some people that have been there since day one. Um, it, you know, you just, it just feels like we have more of a cohesive unit with the staff, right. our work, our quality of work is good. Like everyone's, you know, there's no like one upping, there's no really like personality clashes and it's more like, mm-hmm. you know, we just collaborate a little bit better and we learn from each other. You know, the fact that I'm, you know, looking and, and talking to somebody like, you know, uh, uh, Ricky and you know was that you know asking him the other day for some help about something I had Siege and Ryan Clifford and Kenneth Lee I had the three of them combined all help me out with optimizing because it's something I haven't really done too much until this season till 2020 and wanting to my perfect my craft there and all three of those guys being so open to talk to me about their different styles and you know different rules and things that you said and like it, it's just it's just a much much better environment and I think people can tell with the product 
and with the camaraderie and I'm just really happy to be a part of it. Yeah. We're not going anywhere anytime soon, folks. And that's not just bravado talking. It's just, and I know things look different and there's some good people. We've lost a lot of good people and whatnot, but I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I like the fact I've always liked the fact that, uh, you know, when you worked at fantasy alarm and so, like, I just like, building up people's careers and then letting talent take over and, and people getting great opportunities. I, I've never felt like, like, you know, somebody asked me the other day, why aren't you on TV? Why aren't, and I've, I've done three pilots for fantasy shows. None of them got picked up or whatever, but at this point I'm not like, I know where I know who I am and what I am. And I, I'm mm-hmm. not a face. I, I'm not a face for TV. Um, I don't, I don't have any more aspirations to be on TV. I love radio. It's the forum I grew up on. It's what I was meant to do. I know that I comfortable. I, I, this is what I am. And other people are going to pass me up. You're probably, you'll pass me up easily with, with your skill set and, and I don't have any problems or any jealousy or animosity. I love it. I love the fact that people, you know, rise to their, to their level and, and their talents are being exposed and stuff. Like I, tr- I can't tell you how much I mean that. Like it's the truth. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of people want to keep others down in our space, which is odd. Um, I think, you know, cream rises to the top and people find their way. And I, I like finding new talent. And that's something with like, like you mentioned Ryan Clifford and Kenneth Lee and Kenneth's now manager at elite fantasy. He's got management skills that, you know, we didn't, I've worked with Kenneth a long time. Didn't really, no, you know, and I kids got an MBA, yeah, right? I mean, he's sharp as hell, and Ryan Clifford really polished, you know, getting and, and wrenching on projections and mega multi entering and things like that. Like, these are skills that you know are very valuable and stuff. And I think, you know, maybe in the other environment, it kind of was quashed a little bit where you know, wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, you know what, and, and, and there's no knock on the individual people because I still no. have no problems. I, I, I may not talk to a lot of them very frequently, mm-hmm. but I appreciate everyone for, you know, their, their intricacies and their, and their quirkiness and, and certain talents that they had. So I, I literally, you know, me, I'm like the one guy that's got, you know, yeah, no, you no get beef along with everybody, with yeah. anybody. So I appreciated it. Um, and, but it was, and it was more, it was a wilder time, right? I mean, anything involving, <laughs> you know, Tom, you know, Tommy, Tommy G, G, you know, prison Mike and, yeah. Some of the events, you know, live events that we've all been to together and, you know, Playboy Mansions, all this stuff. Like, it's just a wild, wild time with, you know, with that. But, it's just, you know, it's, it's just the COVID era. Um, and, you know, the, the, the team is great. But kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, I like the full circle. I like my calendar year in, in, in the fantasy thing because, you know, as soon as I'm starting to get burnt out on football – it's great a little break. And then I pivot back to baseball and then, you know, getting ready for the season and for spring training and writing all the prep articles of Bray flowers, um, you know, with the draft guy that we'll have coming out in a couple months uh, and then getting ready for my drafts and the live drafts in Vegas. And then before, you know, it's the NFL draft. Like I love that cycle. And I've now established myself, you know, these last few years with, with how I like to approach it. And I don't want to, you know, I don't, you know, I don't need to go into, you know, golf or college basketball. I, I'll, right. I'll do the things that I love and enjoy because I know that there's a certain amount of, you know, output, you know, there's only so much that I have in me and mm-hmm. it's going to take a little bit away from baseball, which takes away from the subs. Like it, it might be affected in my fab article, you know? So I don't yeah. want to do those kind of things. I want to put full focus at the things that I'm best at. That's helping people win in season long fantasy baseball, um, you know, fantasy football. And then, you know, obviously hopefully improve my, 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 um, 
somethingness in, yeah. in the DFS space. As a manager and like CEO of this company, like it was for three years, it, it, one of the things I did uh, a lot wrong, no doubt about that. But I, one thing that I always tried to do right, and I think it was the right move, even though I, I mean, I got into it with people a lot is I would purposely give people breaks because I exactly what you're talking about. I knew from myself, like when I come off a football season, everybody knows it. Sirius XM knows it. My producers, my friends, my family, everybody who knows me knows I need like there's a you know gradual grind down. I still do football through January up until Super Bowl. Immediate, I, every year I take one week off a year, and that's like a week or two after Super Bowl family vacation. I'm out, and I I oh, yeah. disconnect one week. I have to, and then then it's a slow rise back up into baseball. It's, it's how Ray Flowers and I became you know, so friendly is because we needed each other. He needed a, a cool down for football season. I needed to cool down for baseball season where it wasn't so much. And I would do that with our staff and people got pissed. You may have got pissed at me before. Like, why am I being left off? Why don't you give me more? People would think I was crush, trying to crush their career or spotlight. And I'm like, no, yeah. I need you for, cause a lot of some of our guys, like I don't do basketball. I don't do anything during the football season. Cause I'm, 24 seven in football is just what I do. So it's, it's impossible. I couldn't do it. And I knew if I give too much football content and responsibilities to somebody, and then they, in October, they have to do hockey or, or basketball. I mean, how then now their workload is so much that how are they going to be creative? How are they going to have time to find those plays and that, the analysis and build the type of content that we expect here at elite, how can they do that? If they're, they're grinding too much, if they don't have mm-hmm. much, much time. And, and that was something I, I fought a lot of people about like, Oh, you're trying to crush me down. No, I swear. You're trying to hog the spotlight in football. No, I swear to you. I'm not. What I'm trying to do is give everybody some sort of respite so that they can create the best content. I did it dude last week, Vlad. Uh, it's uh, my JD McKissick. I was on JD McKissick. JD McKissick is the, antithesis just the anti jeff man's play of all jeff man's plays yeah ever. totally it's not somebody i should have been in. not somebody i ever normally would be at but i did it and it, it's one it's like that's a mistake for me and it's not that it, there was viable reasoning and all that but it's not what i do it's yeah. not i don't go past catching running backs never have never and i i'm that's not a play that i'm supposed to and if i let my guard down if i'm overworked i I end up making those mistakes and I don't, I can't make those mistakes. I don't want to make those mistakes. I don't think, you know, all of us when we're at our sharpest won't make that those kind of mistakes. And when we don't, that's another week of winning. That's another play. It's just, it, it, uh, it helps out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's one of the things I I wanted to say just to anybody that's listening that are, you know, aspiring to, to be a part of the industry. And obviously we've had some careers that have, have started through elite through people joining the chat room and, and doing a little yeah. something extra, creating spreadsheets, you know, Jesse Weller, Jesse, uh, and, you know, Jedi. yeah, Jedi, you know, like, you know, this is, this is some impressive stuff. And I'm, and the one thing that I will say is, is pick a niche. You, you can't be like me in my hockey and karate and, you know, piano, like acting, where am I with all those things now? No, I was always kept getting drawn to the sports and the fantasy sports. And that's where I am now. And so within your realm of what you like, you, you know, don't try to be a jack of all trades. Oh, I can do college basketball and I'm good at football and golf. And right. this and that. Just pick your niche, stick with it, be an expert of something, you know, like my, you know, my thing is, uh, is, as I'm known for fab, 
you know, or for my gut and instinct or whatever. And that's, I'm not trying to run with it or be somebody. It's just, you know, who I really am. And I'm bringing it out and sharing that. And I'm not trying to be an expert in, you know, in, in other things. So um, that's the one thing I think um, is, is good for people trying to break in. We had, uh, you know, I remember the fab article that you do is the best thing like going, you know, it, it is so important. My God, especially for baseball, baseball, one of the reasons fancy baseball and you and I could do a whole nother show, you know, you know, before the baseball season, because I've complained about fantasy baseball for years and people need to know, I love fancy baseball. I love the game of baseball. I love it just so much, but I don't like the direction. I think things are moving and the baseball community isn't moving along with it. And one of the things that's the most difficult is like the free agent budget, acquisition budget and waivers every single week on, on the weekends and all that. Your article on fantasyguru.com is the best I've ever seen. I've done this for 15 years. It's the most detailed. It's the most poignant. It's the most, it, it brings you to a conclusion, kind of what's best for your team. I use it every single week and it saves me fucking hours, hours of my time. And I know you spend a whole week pretty much putting that sucker together. So uh, compliments to you. And that's an article you were hesitant to do for a while because a lot of people, you know, they're going to take your plays. I, I know it's tough as a player which you are almost first and foremost to, um, to then it's, share all those ideas. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's not even the, the, the hesitancy because I feel like I've always been pretty transparent and, and put it out there. And it, but it's just that kind of extra layer where you're playing against people that uh, you know are, you know, in, in these high stakes league that are going to see your stuff. The good thing about those, those folks is they're also really stubborn themselves. Yeah. And so they'll make their own decisions, you know, regardless, like they'll may may take some advice, uh, you know, or maybe see an angle that they hadn't seen previously, but you know, a lot of these people are stubborn, but yeah, that's the other thing is that's my goal is I'll put all my stuff out there. I'll show you my cards and I'll still try to beat your ass. No doubt. And you normally do. It's, it's a great article. That's for sure. Um, and we'll have to get into the fantasy baseball angle, you know, closer to the baseball season. Do you see a full baseball season? Do you think they play 162 in 2021? Uh, I don't know if it'll be 162, but I think it'll be around that. Maybe there's some sort of, you know, modified. Um, 148. Yeah, like that. exactly. That's exactly the number I was thinking. So, uh, yeah, hey, if that number is available in Vegas, if both of them are thinking that number, we should probably <laughs> probably bet it. Let's do it. Uh, real quick before we let you go, Vlad, and appreciate you spending some extra time with us here on One Man's Opinion. It's fascinating backstory, that's for sure. We'll give some weak. 12 analysis. I, I want to, you do the quarterback coach for us over at elitefantasy.com. It's our first coaching session of the week. It's on Tuesday nights over there. Um, difficult to do because, you know, so much news, especially this year comes out later in the week and later in the week and whatnot. But uh, if you could just take us through sort of your ideal quarterbacks in DFS on, a, you know, like what are you looking for? for the quarterbacks you ultimately it, choose? Yeah. I mean, okay. I guess in the last couple of years or ever, or ever more so this year, it's uh, having that, that, um, that fundamental core of, of a rushing floor, you know, the guys like the Kyler Murray's of the world, the Cam, even, you know, Cam Newton's uh, Josh Allen's Josh a Allen. lot of these guys are up there in price for a reason. It's because they're providing a base because they usually have a good shot at, you know, either getting in the end zone themselves, um, you know, sneak QB play or even from a few yards out or just racking up some yards in their, you know, seven to 10 attempts. 
And obviously, you know, we're looking at Kyler Murray, who at this point would be the, if you forget all receiving, say you take away receiving stats from everything, from, from all running backs, right. straight up rushing Kyler Murray's number three in the league. And he's not <laughs> even a running back. <laughs> so, and so, yeah, it's like Lamar Jackson last year, you're, you're sort of getting like those, you know, the, the double points upside, so to speak. So it's really tough to not have, you know, those type of guys as a, you know, primary option. Uh, but yeah, Kyler Murray, uh, the, the game between the, the Chargers and the Bills, I think is going to be a really good one, potentially shoot out, um, you know, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, got a five and a half point spread there. Of course, those guys have gotten a little expensive as well. Um, and then, you know what, sneakily, I know you and I were both on Matt Ryan last week, but yeah, against the Raiders, back at home, hopefully a fully healthy Julio. Can we uh, home do it? underdogs. I mean, Can we do it. That that's the question. He he is he was a kick in the dick last week, no doubt about it. But I mean, but that's what it takes. Everybody else is going to be out of him because they're emotionally attached. Going back to him, we're going to get even lower ownership on him. Can we do it? Yeah, I I think a lot of people are not going to be on him. But you're you're talking about literally the highest uh, implied total on the slate, fifty six points as it stands, hasn't moved since open, and you know, they're on the fast track there in Atlanta and they're three point underdogs. So um, the Raiders, obviously they're a little bit more susceptible to damage on the ground. Um, but I mean, come on, Gurley and yeah. uh, Brian Hill. I don't know about that. It just seems like a really nice bounce back spot. Uh, you know, last time he was coming off a seven point outing, Matt Ryan, I think he threw for three fifty and four touchdowns. So uh, I think I'm probably back in. And I'll tell you last week, the one thing about Ryan is it wasn't the offensive line. It wasn't the matchup. He would not get rid of the football. He just wouldn't throw it. I mean, he had the time. I, I mean, I watched that game later that night on Sunday night. I rewatched it again after seeing it live and it held true. He just wouldn't, he couldn't pull the trigger for whatever reason they had separation. He just wasn't there. And that's something you look at when he looks at it in tape, when the coaching staff looks at it, he's going to, that's an easy correction. Just let it go. Just let the ball fly. And uh, so it's not something he was doing. That's an easy thing. It wasn't his accuracy wasn't wrong. His footwork wasn't wrong. It wasn't an offensive line problem. It wasn't a pass protection problem. It was just getting rid of the football, which, think he could do uh, much better against Las Vegas this week. I dig it. Uh, before we get out of here, Vlad, I always like to give the folks some week 12 analysis. Survivor pools are bet of the week and my upset of the week. Survivor pools are getting really, really, really difficult at this point. If you're still in yeah. it, kudos to you because I've been knocked out, I think, twice. Uh, oh, no, I've had one knockout in my uh, elite sports betting one. That was New England in week six. Um, that lost, I think Miami beat him that time. I, I think that was it. And, uh, so that's been my one loss of the year. One team that you're sure will win this week. You could do the Thursday games too, if you like. Uh, I mean, the one team that I'm pretty sure is going to win is, uh, is, uh, Green Bay seven and a half points, yeah. uh, on Sunday night against the bears. Uh, I mean, who knows who's even going to be the quarterback. Sounds like a pretty much a no brainer to me. I do. I agree with you there. Packers first. I do have the Dolphins second, although I'll say the Jets are going to win this year. It wouldn't surprise me at home against Miami if this is the game they jumped up and won somehow. But I just think it's tough. If you want to go a little different than those two, the Giants against Cincinnati, you want to talk about 
third and fourth string uh, or third string quarterback possibly playing there. Offensive lineman hurt. Now Gio Bernard is out. They've already deactivated. They traded Dunlap. They trade uh, Geno Atkins been deval- uh, deactivated. That's a team that's just sinking into the earth. I think the Giants could actually get one. Uh, this week on the road uh, bet of the week. I like the under in the Arizona new England game. Just new England will slow down this pace greatly. And Kyler Murray's shoulders a little bit dinged up may affect the deep ball. Gilmore's back for new England too. I don't think they get to 50 points. And then upside of the week, uh, give me the Panthers over the Vikings. The one quarterback I don't think was in your write-up Vlad that I'm starting to get sweet on believe it or not, is Teddy Bridgewater against, you know, revenge narrative going back to Minnesota. uh, You know, just, I don't see why they would even rush him back before a bye, but he wants to play. He's bound set and determined. He's absolutely priced so low in DFS, but um, I I think Carolina could jump up and beat Minnesota at home. I think it's absolutely possible. I think that would be, I have a similar one um, and and I do like Teddy and I don't want to, I don't want to say straight up that this game is going to be won by them, but I do like them to cover. Um, and I would love to see this line go to seven and a half in favor of the road uh, dolphins, because I think there is a small chance in uh, small chance in hell that the jets are able to cover on the seven points there at home. Um, Darnold back, um, you know, could be a little rusty out the gate, but the weaponry is there at least as far as the receivers, right? I mean, if it wasn't the Jets, it wasn't this messy situation, and you have a trio like Denzel Mims, Crowder, and Perryman on literally any other franchise, we'd be talking about a pretty talented trio. No doubt. I mean, they're, they're a talented trio. And with Becton, you know, back, finally healthy, not sitting out all the time, uh, he's left so many games, their left tackle. And you get some protection issues there. And Rick, you're going to start 2-0 for Miami. I could, if the Jets are going to win a game, this – pretty much is it you know this is the one so uh covering a seven and i i would love to get the hook on a seven and a half i like that one a great deal remember you can find our nfl bets over at elite sports betting.com vlad sedler all his content you can find quarterback coach every tuesday over there elite fantasy.com fantasy guru.com from from the gut every single solitary week over there fantasy baseball draft guide will be unveiling in late december folks already in the works vlad very prominent in that uh, every single year as well so absolutely outstanding stuff follow vlad sedler at roto gut on Twitter. Do you do other social media or are you just, I mean, I'm sure you do. No. Like, you don't do Instagram. You're, I, you're, I have accounts and, you know, you know, yeah. seeing people from like, you know, high school 40 years ago, it's mostly <laughs> like political shit and yeah. I don't like to, to get involved in that too much. Just kind of like, you know, stay, God. stay, keep myself busy and occupied with uh, with important things. So, um, you know, check on people's lives, but Twitter is pretty much one. Smart man, everybody. He is Vlad Sedler. Vlad, appreciate you joining me today, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and the family, my man. Jeff, thank you so much for for having me on, for uh, for having me, uh, giving me the opportunity to share my story, and uh, for just you know somebody that I'm I'm very thankful uh, to uh, to be able to work with for <laughs> for all these years. And so it's a pleasure to get to know you over the years. Right back at you, my brother. All right, there he goes, everybody. Vlad Sedler. That's going to do it for episode 41 in the books. Vlad Sedler, that story. What a great one it has been. I want to wish each and every one of you a very happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe, folks. Just do, do the Uber 
Lyft, no drinking and driving, something so important. I know I, if you're going to family events, wear the mask if it's mandated. Be careful. Don't cough or sneeze around people. Do the right thing, everybody, and we'll all get through this together and uh, celebrate a great week of football, college football, and college basketball. Sports are coming back. Should be a good one. For Vlad Sedler, I am Jeff Mance. Remember, everybody, you may disagree with stuff you heard today on the program, and that's perfectly okay because it was just one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Peace out.